Hello and welcome to Fantasy Life Podcast Week 6 Questions Edition. I'm your host, Ian Hart. It's a great day to be great. It's a great day to be joined by Dwayne The Rock McFarlane, as well as Chris, my friend, Alan. Fellas, how's it going? Chris, we'll start with you. See, that's a better nickname, a better intro than, than last week, man. So I, I will at least appreciate that. Now, what's going on, brother? I mean, we got a lot of stuff to get into. Always a joy talking ball to y'all each week. Dwayne, how you doing, man? I'm good. I'm good. I mean, my friend, I still like the other MF we had before, <laughs> but my friend, like you're still, it still works. Like as far as like the first letter in each of the words, Ian. So yeah, yeah. but yeah, man, happy to be here. It's Thursday. We've got football on the way tonight. We've got more football on the way on the weekend. Like, yeah, dude, like what, what else? What else could I hope for in life other than more football? I think I was, uh, I know I was writing the a newsletter for Tuesday after Monday night football. And, you know, I always try to bring up the point that mediocre Monday night or Thursday night football is much better than no Monday night or Thursday night football. So again, continue to just rejoice in the reality that we continue to get full slates of NFL football. Got it. Love that. But of course, guys, we are here today to try to get those fancy rosters in the best shape possible. Pick up that W and march on along towards our championship path. So with that, 10 of the biggest fantasy questions ahead of week six starting with who is more likely to get going this week damian pierce or joe mixon obviously damian pierce with the tougher matchup against the saints that said houston texans offense does appear to be firmly moving in the right direction joe mixon and company taking on the seahawks so Dwayne, we'll start with you again two running backs who haven't exactly met expectations this year but in both cases still some you know underlying utilization to feel good about yeah i mean Neither back has been like, to your point, like they're not overperforming our expectations by any means. But I mean, I easily take Mixon on this one this week. I Look, Damian Pierce is a guy I've been talking about for a couple of weeks as a buy low. We talk about the offensive line getting healthy. You just mentioned, you know, what the overall offense looks like, period. CJ Stroud definitely outperforming expectations. If, if you would have known that C.J. Stroud was going to be as good as he is, I think Damian Pierce would have went even higher in fantasy drafts. So you just Seriously. have to reapply that same logic. To right now and realize that the line will get healthy even though he's not going to get the passing down works i do think touchdowns are eventually coming but for this weekend i definitely want to make the pick of joe mixon here because this is an offense that we definitely saw get right last week for burrow we're now hearing okay he's probably near 100 at practice this week so when we get that that opens the upside for multiple touchdown games for Joe Mixon. He could also be a little bit more involved in the passing game still this week. T. Higgins, we'll see what happens with him. I know he got in a limited practice yesterday. I haven't seen the report today. My guess is another limited. I don't ever really trust the Bengals uh, with T. Higgins. Like I don't think we'll know until the game starts. And even then, once the game starts, we could be five snaps in. And you're like, oh, where's T. Higgins? I don't know. Like He's just not out there anymore. So I, I like Mixon. Right now, the matchups, you know, kind of tough. I think it's a bit misleading based on the way some of the games have gone, you know, against the Seahawks. Um, so I think that they're definitely a solvable run defense. I don't think there's some impenetrable force. It's just that it's so easy to throw on them. And the Bengals are a pass first offense. So I think the offense still flows through the passing game, but there's a real chance here for Mixon to get right with a couple of scores. Definitely a decent gap between them and our Fancy Life consensus rankings, which you can find over at FancyLife.com. Pierce coming in consensus RB23, mixing up there at RB13. So yes, for this week, definitely for mixing. But two guys who I did highlight in my recent buy low video, which you can find on the Fancy Life YouTube channel. And even if it is going to not happen for Pierce this week, it's definitely not going to happen in week seven because they have a bye week. <laughs> After that, though, guys, Panthers, Buccaneers, Bengals, Cardinals, Jaguars, Broncos, and Jets for the next seven weeks for Pierce. So not, you know, at one layup after another for all those weeks, but still four matchups against legit, you know, kind of bottom bad, bottom eight, you know, rush defenses in terms of PPR points per game allowed the running backs. I do think Pierce in the midseason, especially once that offensive line gets a little extra time to heal up, will have some booms down the way. Krista, let's talk a little more about mixing in this Bengals offense. I'm in agreement with Dwayne in terms of like my expectations for this group are back to before week one. I'm expecting them to again rank as one of the top, you know, three to five offenses in the NFL. That's how important it is for Burrow to have that mobility back. So did you see that as well, Chris? Or was it just, hey, one good week against the Cardinals? No, I think, well, I think with all things, the answer is somewhere in the middle because while we did see Burrow 
move the pocket mobility was back last week. I think it was the second touchdown that he had to Jamar Chase while Chase was running down the back end, uh, the back line of the end zone, moving along to throw the touchdown to him, the scramble that he had to pick up the first down. I mean, all those things were there. I mean, he uncorked one of the probably one of the best throws I've seen him make, like as a, like um, as a passer since he came into the NFL to chase for that 63 yard bomb. So all that he stuff just missed that one to Irwin too. On yeah. The flicker. Like the arm strength's fine. Yeah, the arm strength is there, but still getting clocked on third downs. I mean, uh, Travion Williams like missed a completely whiffed on a uh, on a pickup on a stunt like from the Cardinals at one point. Uh, and I remember Burrow popping up and com- like completely like going irate against him, which rightfully so. But I think that's where some of the miscues that we had hoped to see kind of not be a part of the Bengals offense are still a part of it. And with the defense also still trying to gel as much as quickly as possible with Lou Anarumo, I, that's where you see some of those key breakdowns. So I'm happy, especially as a Bengals fan, to see them come together. I mean, win as they had, like win as dominantly as they as they were capable of doing. But it's that it's that type of it's those cracks that you see in the in their offense and also on defense as well that make a uh, matchup against Seattle all the more uh, just like concerning, like as a fan. So I think that's where I think I still believe like I'm I'm definitely with you and Dwayne on on the mix and train for this week especially the, with the way that past wide receivers have been able to perform against uh, their secondary, yeah. who has like Tutu Atwell getting over 100 yards, yeah. Amon Ross St. Brown going over 100 yards, Adam Thielen getting over 100 yards. So I think all the passing production is going to be there. And then if Mixon can bang in at least a touchdown or two, like we saw Kyron Williams do all the way back in week one, I mean, that's where uh, that's easier sell for me for Mixon from that standpoint, where if you look at a guy like Damian Pierce, it's just harder to thread that needle going up against the Saints defense. Honestly, Mixon has been earlier in the year. He was having kind of plus efficiency numbers. Now they've lagged back to pretty much 2022 levels. And guess what? Those were good enough for him to beat the RB six and PPR points per game. Yeah, fine. Go ahead. Take away the five touchdown explosion. He was still a top 12 running back last season. Now he has the same efficiency. The difference through four weeks, at least was as his Bengals scoring offense was brutal. Still just 27th in points per game this year. Last year, they were seventh. Certainly get the impression we're going to be far more closer to that top 10 finish the rest of the way. So again, love buying low on both of those running backs. All right, guys, question number two, what do we make of Washington's not one, not two, not three, four pronged passing attack? I mean, Dwayne, we've seen some offenses like the Raiders, uh, for example, like you just look at what they've been doing centralizing their entire passing game around Jacoby Myers and Devontae Adams. Like, that is fantastic. That is not what is going on here in Washington because Terry McLaurin leads the way with 31 targets. Then there's Jahan Dotson with 30. Then there's Curtis Samuel with 27. And then there's Logan Thomas with 25 and four freaking games. Curtis Samuel unironically leads this wide receiver room in PPR points through five weeks of action. So this is Fugazi, Dwayne. Are we going to see the top two most talented guys here in McLaurin and Dotson rise up? Or do you think Howell's just one of those quarterbacks more than willing to really spread the ball around consistently? Well, let's start with the positives, right? The positives are Sam Howell. 270 yards passing a game. Who would have thought that? Would any of us put Sam Howell down for 270 yards per game? Like he's at 269.8. Like, I mean, what is that? That ranks one. He's got more passing yards than Patrick freaking Mahomes. Seventh. Yes, he does. That's seventh in the league. So he's a top 12 passer in yardage. And it's not just a game script thing. If we look at their drop back rate over expected, right? They're at plus 6% right now on the season. That is fifth best in the league. So they're actually showing us they want to throw the ball because what drop back rate over expectation does is it at the play level takes account for the score and other variables and then compares what other teams in that same exact scenario have done. So to be at a plus number, you have to throw the ball more, whether you're leading, close, trailing, doesn't matter. It's an aggregate. It puts all those things together and weights them. Yeah, plus 6%. So that's right next to the, to the Rams, to the Bengals, to the Chiefs, the Vikings, and the Bills. They're in the same conversation as those teams. That's how pass-heavy they are right now. Now, coaches and things, they can change their minds later in the year, but I think those are two really big positives, so I want to start there. Now, to your point, Ian, it is divided up like by too many people. But, you know, I put this back on the players because we talk about this all the time, Ian. Targets are earned. And if you're going to come out and you're going to be like an alpha, you're going to be a high-end wide receiver, even when you get yourself in rooms like this where, yeah, it's pretty competitive, but... Like Curtis Samuel and Logan Thomas, they're not insurmountable 
you know, objects like Terry McLaurin and Jahan Dotson should be able to distance from those two players. I want to bring up one other quick point here. I, I did call Jahan Dotson a sell right now. Like not a sell. You can't sell him for anything, but if you had to make a tough cut, you could cut Jahan Dotson. Like I know Ian and the leagues we play in. No, you can't cut Jahan Dotson <laughs> with some of the other leagues that people are playing in. You can, I, I get it. You might have to cut him. I do think he's a guy that could still bounce back. I think McLaurin's the same. So the one other note I want to make here, and then we get Chris's thoughts, but with Dotson, he's been hurt. He got hurt in week three. Okay. And so the last two games he's been playing through an injury, his route participation has been down 73% and 77%. Actually it's week four when he got hurt at the end of that game, he came back, caught a touchdown that week after the injury. But last week that was obviously lingering along. And then Terry McLaurin, he had the turf toe that popped up. I believe it was week three of the preseason. And they thought that would be a three to six weeks, a three to six week injury before he was hundred percent. So we're really just now back at that range. So I don't know how much we can count these guys target shares against them. Like targets per route run right now for Dotson, 13%. That's bad. McLaurin, 16%. That's also bad. But I also remember last year, Ian Curtis Samuel for the first four or five games. He was the guy to have in Washington. Kind of like right now. He's their top receiver. He's their top fantasy receiver right now. And then what happened? It went to Terry McLaurin. Then at the end of the year, it was Jahan Dotson that got hot. Now, remember what happened in that span, though. Dotson missed a large chunk of games in the middle of the year. And so it really took an, it, it took an injury to pop Terry McLaurin off for those weeks. And then when Dotson came back later in the season, basically all the coverage was really rolling the McLaurin, and then that allowed him to get going. So I don't know if we need another event like that, but I do think there's a chance we're talking about one of these players in a really good way. I don't think you can trust it this week. But before the season's over, I still think they're talented players and they're in an offense that's showing us they're willing to throw and Sam Howell's better than we thought he was going to be. So, Chris, I don't know what your thoughts are, but I can't trust them now. But in the future, I do think one of these guys, maybe two of them are going to be playable. That's the way to approach it, because right now, I did, this passing, well, it sucks like for, for fantasy purposes, right? I mean, you want to throw Terry McLaurin out there, but to your point, Dwayne, at 16% target share, Kendrick Bourne has a higher target share, like right oh. now. I mean, that, oh, no. that, that that's essentially what we're talking about. Right why do you here. have to bring up things like that? That's We're trying <laughs> I mean, to have fun. I know, because but it, that's why it sucks. Like, you look at this data, and it's like, oh, yeah, he's the wide receiver of one on his team. But that's like almost the same amount as guys that we don't even want to roster right now. Like, we, we can't trust in fantasy. So if we can't trust him, like, right now, it's like, how can this offense get better? And maybe Terry McLaurin has to have one of those, like, AJ Brown going to Jalen Hurts like type of deals where it's he like, needs you know, to bro like bro like I am your wide receiver one give me the freaking ball <laughs> like one of those types of things then yeah I think that's where you almost assert yourself like as as the alpha which we know Terry McLaurin to be but if the toe injury has been a factor which I didn't I didn't think about until you just mentioned it then sure we could see him ascend to the wide receiver one levels or back to those thresholds that we would expect him to be at because this is off just for him. I mean, I can understand Logan Thomas coming in, but commanding this level of target share. And so I think that's where like potentially buying low on these types of guys like might be a potential option for you, because at some point I would assume Terry McLaurin should pop. Jahan Dotson should pop like from from a from a target share or even just like target share, air yard share, whatever metric you want to apply. And with Sam Howe being as productive as as he has, like minus the sacks, I mean, the dude's on like a record breaking pace at this point for sacks but outside of that if this offense continues to operate the way that it has with Eric the enemy then I mean, at least two of these players should become a bit more fantasy relevant at least more at least consistent for our purposes that you should be able to roster one to two of them without feeling like all right well i'm going to get this eight for 90 in a touchdown performance this week but then the next week it's going to be two for 20 or you know, one for one for fifteen, or something along those lines. So I think give it some time, and then the production should start to coalesce around a couple of pieces. Yeah, yeah. Thank God that sacks don't count as negative fantasy points. Otherwise, how would be in a <laughs> world of uh, trouble? League high twenty nine sacks this season, and I know Washington fans. Not every single one of those sacks has been his fault. But that said, I did look at you know what quarterbacks have had the biggest issue with. You know, just hoping, ho hopefully, not letting pressures turn into sacks. And sure enough, nobody has allowed a higher percentage of pressures to turn into sacks than Sam Howell. So that's the one issue. But again, man, it's not like these are empty garbage time yards, as kind of Dwayne pointed out. He's got the six. 
six most yards in the league. And I'm telling you, you can already put together a nice like 60 second plus mixtape of some truly awesome tight window throws. Has he kind of stared down some receivers here and there? Sure. But at a minimum, guys, looks like he belongs out there, which is, you know, a lot more than we could say just a short month ago. Last point here, man, is just with Jahan Dotson, like, he is dead last right now in yards per route run among 54 qualified wide receivers. He's not on the injury report going into week six. So hopefully that, you know, issue is behind him. But Dwayne, man, really rough start this year for what we all kind of thought was a pretty incredible 2022 class of wide receivers. I mean, seriously, I know a lot of these are being impacted by their, you know, situation under center, but Drake London, Garrett Wilson, Chris Olave, Jamison Williams, Jahan Dotson, Traylon Burks, Christian Watson, uh, George Pickens, Alec Pierce, Sky Moore. Pickens Man. has been great. Pickens, yeah. Maybe the best one. Pickens, That's is, my point. Pickens is balling. Like, good God. Like, don't That's put my that point, on though. He's body. probably the best one right now. Is this just, again, you think it's yeah. just a five-week sample size? I mean, we... Clearly, Jahan Dotson's awesome at football. Like, we saw far too much last year to be debating that. Well, you know, I don't... It would, you know, I would make the show go too long if I went into all those guys. There's a lot of variables. There's definitely quarterback play. You mentioned several guys that have quarterback play issues. Yeah. And then you mentioned, you know, there was a Falcon on there. Well, there's just an Arthur Smith issue <laughs> and a quarterback issue. Although Desmond Ritter, hey, hat tip, bro. Nice job last week. It was. Um, but there's also a lot of injuries. Like Christian Watson, you know, has not been healthy. You got Jahan Dotson has been dinged up. So I, I think some of these guys are still, Traylon Burks hasn't been playing. I think some of these guys are still going to end up being fantasy relevant. In fact, I think there'll be multiple that end up being cut in a lot of leagues and they're probably going to, there's a shot they're league winners towards the end of the year. So I lean more toward the smaller sample size with just some different variables going on. I know that doesn't necessarily help people trying to set lineups this week because you can't have most of them near your lineup. Like I do think Christian Watson, guys like that can be in there, but I wouldn't be starting Jahan Dotson. That's for sure. Could be talking about Chris Olave a little bit later, but he was also one of my buy low targets I was talking about recently on that Fancy Life YouTube channel. All right, guys, question number three. Are we buying or selling the Bears are suddenly, you know, being a great NFL offense? Ever since Chase Claypool left the building, all of a sudden things are clicking for Justin Fields and company. So yes, the opening, you know, schedule, especially that week three trip to Arrowhead didn't do them that many favors. But Dwayne, I mean, it's something we talked about briefly on our flagship show yesterday is just we have seen brief but encouraging two-week increases in terms of play action rate the bears have gone from 18 percent to 33 percent over these past two weeks and pre-snap motion going from 50 percent to 71 percent a mark that puts them up there with teams like the dolphins the 49ers the chiefs the rams some of the offenses that we think the most out of so i believe uh, matthew freeman kind of after we talked about this was saying how luke getsy uh, you know was pretty close to having to look for a new job the way things were going there in the first three weeks are you buying or selling this turnaround Dwayne? Because again, if Fields can supply this sort of passing goodness on top of those rushing booms that we know are coming eventually, like overall QB1 isn't his potential range of outcomes. Yeah, I think with Fields is simple. You should have always been on in on Fields. It was just small sample variants early in the year. You knew the bit, you knew the running plays were coming no matter what. The question is, like, to your point, can this passing stuff continue? And then I'll kind of lean into what Chris just said earlier with the Bengals. It's probably somewhere in between. Do I think they're going to come out and throw for this many yards? I know, I know. We want strong, hot takes. Um, here's what. Here's a strong, hot take. Luke Getzey, set your freaking reminder on your calendar that the NFL season starts in week one, not week three. You did this crap last year, man. He did the same thing. He didn't have Justin Fields involved in the run game, in the design running game early in the year. He wasn't using play action. He was doing none of these things, and then suddenly a light bulb went on, and he started doing it all. And then we saw Fields get hot and get going. Now, they weren't having the passing game success that they're having this year. So I do think that like the arrow is pointed up. Now, Justin Fields, like there's still going to be issues. Like I think we all know that. He's not suddenly going to turn into this high-accuracy you know, quarterback um, like looking at him last week, even Ian, like he had a 52% completion rate. He had a great day passing the ball, 52%. The The week before he was 80, the week before 50, the week before 55, the week before 65. So it's going to be a bit of an up and down roller coaster when it comes to the efficiency as far as completions go. I think against tougher defenses, that will make, that's going to make things harder because some of those come on critical situations like third downs. You're trying to get your first down and stay on the field with your offense. So they, the, these kind of things have a tendency, like they matter more against some teams and less against others. When you're playing the Broncos, 
who cares? Complete, you know, whatever percentage of your passes. You're probably going for 350 yards. Last week was a little bit more impressive, you know, with the matchup that he had. So I do lean into Fields being fine. I do I do lean into DJ Moore being fine. I don't think DJ Moore is a top three wide receiver. So like if somebody just wants like to blow your doors off and give you a fantasy offer like you can't refuse for DJ Moore. Yeah, but it needs to be a really good offer. I still think he's a high-end wide receiver too at worst right now because this offense is truly consolidated around him. Um, really, no, I mean, Cole Komet's getting some targets, scoring some touchdowns, but I mean, DJ Moore is really the wide receiver one and wide receiver two right now for this team. So I think you get to be happy with that. See Mooney, if this keeps up, maybe starting to give us a little yeah. bit of, you know, flex yeah. consideration. I mean, you mentioned that completion rate last week, Dwayne, and first play of the game, Mooney had a couple steps deep and he kind of turned around. I don't want to blame that fully on fields, but it wasn't a great ball. A couple other deep chances for him didn't quite come down with it. Hell, I mean, DJ Moore could have, should have, would have had a fourth touchdown later in that game. Fields had, you know, just one of those misses where he sailed it long. So Chris, it's wild saying that again, even in the midst of that, productive passing performance there was still a lot of meat left on that bone for fields in this passing game but you look down man tied for second to attack of Iloa and justin fields and josh allen all have the same amount of passing touchdowns here guys and it's october 12th like if you would have told us that before the season i think we would have been terrified at how bad Tua and josh allen must be doing to be grouped in with that so chris it is coming on a league high 7.2 percent you know passing touchdown rate not saying Fields is going to, you know, continue on and throw for 40 touchdowns this year, but confident that 2023 Fields as a passer will continue to be the best version we've seen thus far? Well, I mean, like Dwayne was saying and what I said earlier, the answer is probably somewhere in between. But I would say that the easiest way to look at it is that they're getting to their easy buttons. This offense doesn't have to be, it doesn't look as complicated as it was in the first few weeks. As both of you are pointing out, more play action, more pre-snap motion, hell, just throw it more to the player that you draft or that you traded for in order to help boost this passing game. I mean, DJ Moore had a, a 40% target share against the Commanders uh, last Thursday. He had only had a 40% or more target share twice in the five years that he was with Carolina. Now that was with some stronger, uh, stronger wide receivers around him and whatnot. But at least the uh, at least the Bears and like Getsy at least figured out that hey, if I just try and use this guy that happens to be pretty good at football good things can happen. So if this is the type of philosophy that they're getting to, they're actually trying to make things not just easier for Justin Fields as a thrower, but also making sure they're getting to their easy buttons of using him as a runner as well. Was it 10 design rushes on like 30 or so odd dropbacks uh, against the commanders? So if now they're just making the offense easier for them to continue moving the ball forward and matriculating it down the field, that's where we can get the production. That's where we can at least, at least uh, hang our hats on this idea that the Bears offense can continue to be productive versus saying, well, it was just on these explosive plays or, oh, because DJ Moore went up against, uh, you know, the commanders, uh, you know, the commanders corners. Oh, yeah, but he's not going to do that every week. So if we see some more of these schematic shifts and then also seeing fields continue to be used as a runner, that's something that I can I can put forth on the on a week to week basis and say, hey, this could actually happen again. I could actually see this working out moving forward versus just saying, oh, yeah, DJ Moore is going to score three, almost four touchdowns. It's not going to happen every week, but at least some of the volume will consider continue to go his way. And that's something I can rely on. I do think I speak for all three of us and even all you listeners out there when I say just thank you Bears for at least figuring this out to this extent and not being that, again, complete dumpster fire that we saw through the first three weeks of the year. I mean, that week, guys, where, you know, everything was going on with their defensive coordinator and just like they had the stuff stolen from their stadium. It was like one bad, just ridiculous piece of news after another was coming out about these guys. So now, you know, not exactly a winning streak just yet, but back to back. More than fine performances in fantasy land. Great performances in real life as well on offense. Absolutely love to see it. All right. Question number four. What are the expectations for this Vikings passing attack without Justin Jefferson, who will be spending at least the next four weeks on IR with that hamstring injury? And it doesn't take a genius to, you know, potentially put the pieces together that Kirk Cousins on a floundering Vikings team without, you know, exactly much security for next year or beyond could maybe be on the trade market if he, tra if he you know, waves that no trade clause. Shout out Jimmy Graham. And also with Justin Jefferson, again, no contract in place yet for next year. Do they try to, you know, take the safe side of things if they're only having, you know, one or two wins by the time he's even ready to come back. So no, JJ, Dwayne, do you have a read on the whole, like, do you think Cousins and Jefferson have played their last down in Minnesota? 
I don't quite go there because I do tend to just side with the, you know, teams will find a way to keep their good and great players more times than not. That said, in the last couple of years, man, there have kind of more of these, you know, big name trades and just kind of free agents doing their thing more so than the past. So overall feelings on that. Yeah, I think it's hard to predict. Like, I mean, could it happen? Sure. And I think you're right. We're seeing more of it. But Kirk Cousins, man, like I still look, I know people are going to get mad, but I still think he's fine. I think you can still win with Kirk Cousins. I really do. I know it hasn't necessarily happened yet, but I think there are other elements. Not everyone can be Patrick Mahomes. Not everyone can be Josh Allen. There's only a few of those in the league. And so I do think other teams have got to figure out how to win with a player like Kirk Cousins. Like if you look at his underlying data, yeah, he may not be like this player that's just going to come into a big game and win like Joe Burrow does and go beat Patrick Mahomes. But I think he gives you a shot to beat a player like that if you're really running a good offense and you've got your defense playing well. I think there are other issues in Minnesota, um, and I get it why some people you know, are sour on Kirk Cousins, but it's just like when I look at him against all the rest of the quarterbacks, I'm like, man, it's not the only problem. Like, I just Could don't, I don't, I, yeah, I just don't believe that. Like, I would take Kirk Cousins over Dak Prescott right now, I'll tell you that. Like, so, I mean, but let's not get into our feelings here. I don't want to get into our feelings on this show. Um, but like, as far as the Vikings over, I know, I know it's a safe space, but I feel like I've used the safe space too much this week. I've already, I talked about it with Kendall on Sirius XM. Like, you know, I, I, I'm getting too much out there. I'm feeling vulnerable, too vulnerable. We got a Cowboys question later, man. We can get into this. All right, fine. Yeah. I just want George Kittle to send me one of those shirts. You know, I'll wear that shirt. Um, fantastic. Yeah, so as far as like the overall outlook on the offense, um, really good question. I was actually just researching this because I, I was writing up uh, all my stuff for the rankings and tiers piece, which will hit tomorrow. Um, you, got the, you got the sneak preview of that today in the Fantasy Life newsletter, which you guys can get for free. Don't know why you're not subscribed to it if you're not, but we know you all are, so we'll let that go. But like looking at Jordan Addison, 100% route participation, Ian, last week after Justin Jefferson left the game, he had a 25% target share. So that's the guy I really expect to step up the most. Like the question is like, do the Vikings alter their offense? Do they try to go a little more run heavy? Do they try to be a little more balanced? I think those things are all good questions. I'm going to kind of guess that nothing changes. Like this team's number two and drop back rate overexpected at 8%. And even if they wanted to dial that back, guess how often the freaking Vikings have trailed by four plus points. 38%, man, 38% of their snaps, they trail by four plus points this year. So this is a team that just doesn't do well at building leads. They don't have a, necessarily have a defense that creates that kind of environment. Their defense has been better. Their defense is better than it was late last year. So I want to give them a little bit of credit there. But I think overall, it's just still going to be this, this passing unit. And they don't have a good run game. What are they going to do? Hand the ball more to Cam Akers and Alexander Madison and hope for two yards of carry? Like, I don't see an out where they can just suddenly decide they're not going to be a pass-first team. I think there's too many things stacked against them. And in that case, that's where I think we look at a guy like K.J. Osborne, high-end target earner in college, now going to be playing most of the snaps. T.J. I mean, Hawkinson Addison. would be the... Sorry, Addison. What did I say? You said Osborne. That's okay. Osborne, yeah. Oh, God, thank you. Osborne is the opposite. No, Osborne's <laughs> going to get a bump too, but he's never, look, even in college, he was not a great target earner and he's not been one in the pros. Now, look, you're playing next to Justin Jefferson, so that's going to impact you. We just saw Adam Thielen leave and he goes off and he he's like, I ah, yeah, 30% every game. But Thielen was already a proven high-end target earner over the course of his career. We've not seen that from Osborne. I think he moves into the wide receiver four conversation. You're going to get some okay weeks from him. But you're also going to get some weeks where you're like, God, man, wide receiver. How are you like wide receiver 64? Like you're, you know, Jay, uh, Justin Jefferson's gone. So I think Hawkinson, lock, he was all, you're starting him already anyway. But like now, I think Hawkinson really could make an argument, especially if Kelsey's not fully healthy. Like, is he going to push Andrews? I think there's a chance for that. Um, but I think Addison is a wide receiver. I'd say mid-range wide receiver three with wide receiver two upside. But we could be upgrading him pretty quickly, like if he responds well out of the gate. If you go ahead and look at the fantasy life rankings one thing i you know like about him is the fact that there are four of us so you can kind of see the discrepancies from ranker to ranker and you me and friedman Dwayne, all have you know as in between wide receiver 21 and wide receiver 32 i'm a little bit on the high end Waz is going all the way up at wide receiver 14 he does have you know that whole best ranker in the world thing going for him so i guess we got to hear him out a little bit there but then also with uh, kj osborne hey he's just a little bit higher than us at wide receiver 32 we're a little bit more in that wide receiver four range so 
yeah, it's possible. And again, I do think we could see, you know, the occasional upside wide receiver three to a wide receiver two boom for Osborne during, during the stretch. But man, like I mentioned before, Jahan Dotson being dead last in yards per outrun. Well, you move up one spot and you're going to find KJ Osborne name right there as well. Shout out uh, Kevin O'Connell. He got asked, though, about, uh, you know, just Addison popping up with an ankle injury, and he was not concerned about it. He's still practicing, so, like, I'm not adjusting the ranks at all for that ankle. But, yeah, O'Connell said, uh, my expectation is we hit the gas with Jordan this weekend. No pun intended. Again, shout out to Mr. 140. Doing everything he had to, guys, to, you know, get back home and take care of his dog. We have all, you know, I don't want to say we've all been there, but, you know, we can respect the guy going back and helping out the pup. Again, <laughs> PR 101 right there. Let's go move on to question five right here chris should we be worried about debo samuel's weekly role in this fully healthy 49ers offense and honestly by fully healthy it's not quite there because debo himself is continuing to play through the pain of that injury he originally suffered against the giants so just the wide receiver 33 and expected ppr points per game this season now Ayuk is wide receiver 34 we've seen both these guys be just fine over the years at making the most out of a slightly limited workload but as we've seen chris debo not exactly at full health right now and accordingly zero and three targets in his past two games probably not a coincidence Ayuk has been back in action for those as well so for you Chris is Debo still kind of on that up, upward trajectory where we're looking at him like he was in 2021 or are you kind of more so saying okay you know great offense great player probably more of a wide receiver three about wide receiver three maybe low end wide receiver two which is more or less like a wide receiver three i don't i don't think i'm ready to push him out of like my, my top 24 because just last week i mean if you look at his uh his uh, his route participation averages over the first like few weeks before he went down with injury i mean almost like a 90 94 like route participation was down to 69 percent like in week five 24 percent of the air yards down to 15 percent. so he's still trying to get healthy and we see that and with Ayuk balling, Kittle going off for three tuds. I mean, Christian McCaffrey obviously doing his thing and getting into the mix. And I think the one thing that kind of goes overlooked at this point when we look at the offensive production, how much that defense is actually starting to affect games as well. We just saw this past week. I mean, Dwayne, close your, uh, shut your ears right now. But in that blowout, we saw more of their backups starting to earn more snaps. So if that's going to continue to be the case in some of the matches we have moving forward, I mean, that's where, I mean, I do have some concerns about Debo Samuel's upside, but he's still going to be the guy that's going to be either like battling for second or third, depending on if it's going to be one of those Kittle weeks where he pops up for a high target share, but he can still explode and like have those uh, massive yards after the catch type games that we saw throughout the most of 2022 season. So I'm not really ready to like completely knock him out of the top 24. It's just that with the way that that offense is constructed with as efficient as the other two like major receivers being Kittle and Ayuk can be. And of course, having McCaffrey in the mix as a receiver as well, it does start to lower your ceiling. It does invite more high variance output from a guy like Debo, whereas he's not going to get the volume that you would expect from a top 24 type wide receiver. And we are relying on some of that efficiency. So if his targets drop a little bit because the other guys are picking up the slack, Hey, that's kind of how things might roll like over the next couple of weeks. So I'm not as concerned, especially once we know that he's going to be 100% healthy. He should be able to slot back into that type of role that we've seen him over the past like, couple of years or so. Let's just hope he gets healthy versus having some sort of setback over the next couple of weeks. Dwayne, any thoughts on when we should expect him to, again, just be fully healthy? Because that's the problem. We talked about this, you know, in our week four recap pod, just like we knew how banged up he was going to be coming into it, but he wasn't limited in terms of being out there on the field. We just saw Shanahan really not go out of his way to design, you know, many, if any, plays to actually get him the ball when he was playing at so far less than 100%. So I get it. This offense is loaded. I'm sure Debo is going to have some extra boom games throughout the rest of the year, but especially in the near term, Dwayne, like, are you okay answering? fairly close start sit decisions involving Debo with the other guy? Uh, just really depends on like what the matchup is. Like, is it a zone heavy team or one of the teams that run man more often? Like Dallas runs more man coverage than any other team in the NFL. That's clearly been when they go to Iuke and we saw that in that game. Um, and that's a, that's a four-year trend or sorry, a three-year trend. Now there is a caveat I will say, and I noted this in the utilization report this, uh, this Monday, and I don't know if it, is because Debo's been hurt or what, like, you know, I can't say for sure, but we have actually seen Ayuk out target Debo for the first time in his career, also on zone plays. Wow. But right now, 
targets per route run, Ayuk, 29% versus man. That's normal. That's what he does. 16% for Debo, normal. That's what he does. But normally in zone, it's flipped. But this year, it's 28% to Ayuk. And this is targets per route run. So this doesn't count like Debo not being on the field or Ayuk not being on the field. This is levels everything. 23% for Debo. So I, I think some of that's injury-induced for Samuel because if you just think about his route tree, He's often staying towards the line of scrimmage. He's running routes underneath the coverage. You get mostly zone coverage. 70% of coverage is zone in the NFL over the last three years. Like So you're going to mostly play against zone coverage, and that typically goes towards Debo. So I want to withhold judgment like overall until we see Debo against a few of these more zone-heavy teams, and he's healthy. But right now, like going into this weekend, you're facing another more man-heavy team. Yeah. Like if you look at the Browns, they run the fourth most man coverage in the NFL right now. So I would definitely have a little bit more of a lean away from Debo if I've got a for, if I've got a close call um, this weekend. Plus, like the Browns' past you know defense and coverage has been pretty good. So I think that's another thing that factors in for Debo this weekend. Yeah, fourth most man, specifically the most cover one. So don't be surprised if the good times continue rolling on, at least for Brandon Ayuk here. Guys, quick note here, ready for a better daily fantasy experience because Rival Fantasy has two new DFS formats that make every game even more exciting. There's Fantasy Bingo, which combines salary capitalist DFS lineups with the classic game. Each card costs only $1, and the weekly prize pool means there's always a chance to win. Also, challenges let you pick which of two players will score more fantasy points each week. Call your shot and get in on the action with just a few clicks. Guys, you can go to joinrival.com slash fantasylife now to claim your two hundred dollar deposit match plus a first play voucher at sign up welcome to the future of fantasy so welcome to rival fantasy again that's join rival.com slash fantasy life go get that deposit gonna be a fun time question number six fellas cj stroud matthew stafford jared goff who would you prefer for the rest of the 2023 season for reference just in terms of fantasy points per game goff has been the qb 11 stroud the qb 16 stafford the qb 18 that said for a week six consensus ranks we have stafford coming in as the qb 9 undoubtedly helps having a healthy cooper cup around goff as the qb 12 and stroud as the qb 16 obviously that one a little bit matchup induced against that tough new orleans saints group so chris i'll start with you man stroud stafford goff you can only have one the rest of the year who would you take uh, i'll take the guy passing to cooper cup uh if that's like an easy way to go about it all right but cool. no, next I, question no, yeah <laughs> but uh, like even just looking at the underlying metrics right now from a complete offensive standpoint the rams have the the highest epa per drive out of the three teams stafford continues to have like at least a, a high a high passing yards per game i think he's ahead of all three uh, in terms of passing yards per game i mean the man's still slinging it i mean top six top seven in air yards per attempt which can invite like a few you know a, flip, a few oopsies like an interception here or there which we saw him do against uh the, the Bengals uh then also like earlier in the season as well so I mean that part of his game is still like fairly well documented we know that to be the case but I think one of the things that uh I'm like actually kind of surprised to see is that we knew going into the season that their offensive line was going to take a step back whether it be from age whether it be from injury like insert reason here but so far he's been able to deal with it and now I know that what was it last week he had like the like a hip injury or something along those lines and he's been playing through some of that but the fact that we haven't really seen a complete breakdown in their passing game, Kyron Williams has still been able to be somewhat productive as a rusher as well. I mean, all that kind of leads me to believe that this is an offense that is at least capable of weathering the storm of, again, just injuries, age, like lack of personnel, like so on and so forth. Whereas on the other side, like while it's cool to see Jared Goff doing a flea flicker to Sam Laporta, it's like. I mean, why do you have to do this? Because I thought Jamison Williams was going to be okay, like after coming back, but get the the wide receiver that they thought was going to be this big speedster, like, you know, threat or whatever, almost like what, two, three air yards per target in his debut. So not, not so good. Uh, okay. So, all right. So you, but you drafted a, you know, receiving running back. Hasn't been able to beat out David Montgomery. Okay, cool. I know he's been injured, but all right. Well, Chris, like, Chris. Chris, the Lions are winning football games. How can you they be are. critical of any personnel decision I, they've ever made? I, I know. It's, it's difficult to to be critical of a team that's winning, but it's also a team that relies on, uh, I mean, Amon Ross St. Brown when he's healthy, more or less a power slot receiver, Josh Reynolds, and a rookie tight end. And then, of course, Dave Montgomery, like, you know, 
blowing off everybody's doors in order to get like in order to be the next Jamal Williams. So it's like that feels like more of a high wire act than anything else. Whereas with Cooper Cup, we know that I mean the man just came out and essentially did everything else except for scoring a touchdown. Puka Nakua is the second coming of Cooper Cup, apparently. Uh, and then if th this offense is continuing to roll without too much of a hiccup, despite what everybody thought was going to be more or less a down year uh, mm -hmm. for the Rams, I mean, give me Matt, give me Matthew Stafford over over Goff. And while I love what CJ Stroud is doing right now, I still think that offense is more of a, a year away from being more of the guys that we would consider in like the, even like the top 16 like type of realm, that sort of thing. Not going to help CJ in the near term too. Probably not having Tank Dell this week as he remains in the concussion yeah. protocol. But yeah, look, I'm kidding, Lions fans. But would you guys like chill the hell out a little bit with this? You guys use the number 12 overall pick on a player your head coach is now calling a change of pace back. Like, I'm pretty sure Chiefs fans won their Super Bowl and could still admit that drafting Clyde Edwards-Alaire in the first round probably wasn't the best use of those resources. So yeah, you're winning. You're scoring points. That's all fantastic. But just because, you know, you drafted Gibbs there, what should the 49 it's not one for one comparison, but like, can we, should we call the Trey Lance pick a success because the 49ers made back-to-back -back NFC championships after drafting them? Of course not. Maybe just maybe we can be a little critical while still, you know, admitting that they are a damn good football team right now. So got that off my chest. Dwayne, are you in agreement on Matthew Stafford? Someone who hasn't exactly had the touchdowns, you know, creep up, but getting Cooper cup back in action and honestly, just hopefully getting a little more uh, luck from his pass catchers. Number Number one in the NFL right now in terms of most air yards lost this season because of drops at 123. Yeah, I think the Rams are just the better offensive environment. I think they're the better offense, period. Like, I think Cooper Cup's better than anything that the Lions have, and I think Puka Nakua is pushing to be similar to what we get from Amon Ross St. Brown. I will say, like, I'm not as down on Jamison Williams. Like, we kind of expected, like, it was going to be the first week and they were going to limit him. Now, to Chris's point, like, come on, can we just use these guys? Um, I think that's the challenge right now with the Lions, but I could see a healthier version of the Lions offense actually being more explosive and them not having to rely as much on the trick plays. I think it's nice to know that you've got a coordinator like Ben Johnson that will give you the trick look plays. He does, you know, incorporate a lot of motion play action. So we like all those things, but overall it's a run first offense. Like if you look at drop back rate over expectation for Jared Goff and the Lions, it's the second worst in the NFL minus 4%. If you look at it for the Rams, they are the fifth best at plus 6%. So give me the pass first offense with the weapons and uh, Matt Stafford, who we've seen like have the blow up games. We know the ceiling is just better for Stafford. We've seen the ceiling weeks from Stafford, you know, historically the golf ceiling weeks. They're not as good. Like he, he, he might average even as many points as Stafford, but I still just want those chances for the blow up games. And sadly, guys, we would take all those quarterbacks over the guy we're about to talk about now. Question number seven, should we be seriously concerned about all parties involved with the Cowboys? Of course, I'm talking specifically, though, about Dak Prescott. Let's get into those fields, Dwayne. Let's talk it out, man. <laughs> uh, this is rough. I mean, right now, Dak, pretty much career worst passing efficiency numbers and everything, you know, except for completion rate. But the sad part is, like, it doesn't pull up his freaking career game log, man. Like, just uh, seasonal stats. He's at 69% completion rate. Last year, he was at 66. Like, in 2020 and 2021, we were well over 68. We weren't turning the ball over. And we were still, you know, throwing the freaking football downfield with success, picking up the yards per attempt. I mean, it's like that, you know, Thanos meme. I'm not much of a, you know, Marvel guy, but it's like, what did it cost, like, to get Dak's interceptions down? Everything, apparently, because, yeah, I get that wasn't working in the second half against the 49ers. And we also had those interceptions come back. But even before then, Dwayne, it was just one drive after another, the offense marching down the field and then stalling out in the red zone as it stands right now tied for number 28 in terms of touchdowns in the red zone at 38 percent last year they were first at 72 percent so Dak's not been throwing the ball well at all in fact relative to him pretty much the worst of his career and he's averaging career low marks in both carries and rushing yards per game Dwayne bad five weeks or are we looking at just the downturn of Dak more or less I don't know how else to say it at this point yeah, man, it's time to move on. Like Dak's at an 80, 86% rostered right now in Yahoo. Like you people are asleep at the wheel. Like there are so many, like Stafford's under him, rather have Stafford. Uh, Stroud's under him, rather have yep. Stroud. Uh, Brock Purdy's even with him, would rather have Brock Purdy. 
Sean Watson injured, so we got to deal with that. But still, like, if I'm just making a bet on the season yeah, and you I'm don't just Watson. need it this week, I'm taking Watson. Uh, heck, as bad as we've talked about Jordan Love, he's at 66%. I think that's a decision. Like, you're, that, you're just now getting to the name where I'm like, eh, maybe I keep Dak since he's playing the Chargers this weekend and he does have the matchup. You know, nobody gives up more passing yards per game than that Chargers secondary. So if there is a get, if there is a get right game, like it has to come this weekend. But I will say right now in fantasy land, far too many people are hanging on a Dak. Now, people are starting to warm up in the last 24 hours. He's been dropped over a thousand times over on Yahoo. Um, but man, like some of this blame Ian has also got to go to Mike McCarthy. Good yeah. God, dude. What are we doing? What is the play? What is up with the play calling the sequencing? I just don't, I don't understand it like third and four and you run the ball. And because you don't gain a yard, it's suddenly no longer two down territory. I just, I don't understand what's happening right now. I think Mike McCarthy is a complete buffoon. I think he also does nothing, nothing, absolutely freaking nothing to help his quarter up his quarterback out. Tell us like how you start, really feel. <laughs> yeah, man. Well, you told me to get into my feelings, so I I'm going to do it. Yeah. All the things that you want to really be doing, especially in an offense that right now, look, Michael Gallup, Brandon Cooks, they're they're not much to talk about. Like these guys are just dudes. They're Jags right now. So you got to be doing more to make CD Lamb and Tony Pollard these centerpieces to your offense. You got to find ways to get them the ball more in space. You got to get them in motion more. You need to let you know what? You don't even have to be innovative, Mike McCarthy. Just watch another freaking offense in the NFL. Everyone's copying Miami. There's so much more that we could be doing. So Look, I, I get it. Like you can't, you can't hit all these things. You can't be heavy play action, heavy shift, heavy RPO, or maybe you just can. Oh wait, let's go look at the Lions coordinator we just talked about. He does do a lot of those things. So I just think it's it's time for Mike McCarthy to go. Like we should be done. Like you got rid of the wrong person. It's very clear. Like Kellen Moore should probably, if you wanted someone calling plays, it needed to be Kellen Moore. Ian, you've brought it up. It's probably a last ditch effort on McCarthy's part to just try and save his job. Oh, if I'm going to go down, I'm going to go down swinging. Let me call the plays. Well, congratulations. Like you're going down. You're going to, you're going to make this process so much faster than it ever would have been. Had Kellen Morrison still been around as the offensive coordinator. So I guess that's the one big plus. I think it's tough with Dak. Like I think we've seen too many years of Dak actually being an okay quarterback in that Kirk cousins range. I think you can probably win with Dak, but I think what we clearly know about him, he's not a special quarterback. He's not, ever going to be Jalen Hurts. He's never going to be Patrick Mahomes. He's never going to be that difference maker. Heck, like I would say as much as people are potentially maybe down on Justin Fields as an NFL quarterback, we love him in fantasy. I would rather have Justin Fields right now. I, I do wonder at this point, Ian, if it's so bad, do we see Trey Lance at some point this year? Oh, man. What if we see Trey? They have a decision they've got to make on Dak, man. Like it's now. you got to make your decision. Are you re-signing this guy? And as Dude. bad as he's played... Yeah, I'm saying I think it's a real question. (laughs) I I think it could be too, man. I think it could be too. But sadly, and we've even seen this, you know, for portions of last year where he's had to come back from, you know, the broken finger or whatever it was in that week one, like Dak post ankle break. And then honestly, remember like the first week of 2021 when he's thrown against the Buccaneers and we're like, yeah, uh, when did Dak lose all of his arm strength? Like. He does not resemble the same guy that we used to see be able to create out of structure like some of those guys you mentioned. Be able to have that arm strength and just mobility to get downfield. I mean, the dude ran for 2,500 yards at Mississippi State. He used to look at third down lines and, you know, three defenders in front of him. He'd be like, watch this and, you know, run over two of them and find a way to get there. So, sucks seeing what he's become and... He was able to overcome it, man, 2021, 2022. You know, Dwayne, he looked like Romo out there half the time just with the pre-snap adjustments he would make and everything he was doing. He was so in command of that offense. And now it's like because they've simplified everything so much, when he doesn't have those physical gifts, you're making everything so much harder on an offense that doesn't have a massive talent advantage other than what Pollard and CeeDee Lamb can do for portions of the time. But, man, yeah. I, I agree with everything, Dwayne, the fact that we can't completely rule out, you know, a Trey Lance uh, late end of season and certain right. to the lineup is uh, is sad times. Chris, anything to add here, man? Again, your, your Bengals are sure as hell looking a little better these days. <laughs> I, I just got to point out that I've never heard the word buffoon used on this show before, <laughs> and I just want to thank you for that. It's like, fitting, I, though, right? It, it is. It's 100 percent fitting. So I'm just hoping that this session was just as therapeutic as my Bengals rant from from last week. Uh, so that, that's all I've got. To I add. thought about doofus, but I went yeah. with buffoon. I thought either would have worked. No notes. <laughs> I got nothing.
All right, guys. Great stuff. Question number eight. What backup running backs who might start do you trust the most among Chuba Hubbard, Deontay Foreman, Amari Dermacado, and Zach Moss? Invite you guys to check out our Friday edition of this podcast. Myself and Matthew Friedman going to be going over all the final injury designations. That said, Dwayne, we are starting to get some signs here. Miles Sanders has not practiced either day this week with a shoulder injury. In Chicago, we have Khalil Herbert and Roshan Johnson with ankle and concussion issues, respectively. Also, not practicing on Wednesday and Thursday. We'll see if Keontae Ingram is going to play in Arizona. He has been missing time last week. He was limited to end the week with a neck injury. Still did not play. So if we're going to see Ingram out of the picture, then yes, we could be trusting something named MRE Demarcado a bit more than we planned. And even Zach Moss, depending on if the Colts are going to be, you know, coming up. So I know I threw four situations at you, Dwayne. So, you know, feel free not to take, you know, five minutes on each of them, but just overall trust level on these backup running backs who, let's face it, you know, in different deferring kind of situations and offenses. Well, I would just eliminate DeMarcado. Like, I think you can use him, but he's the one I trust the least because okay. I think that Keontae Ingram is still probably the early down back. And I think the what coaches if he's are out, pretty though? much. If he's out, like, I would trust DeMarcado more. But it okay. sound I, I know that Keontae is questionable with the neck. I'm, it, I, the way I'm reading the tea leaves, it sounds like he's going to play, but we'll have to see. Um, but yeah, I mean, he's got a matchup against the Rams. Like, the matchups are all okay. None of them are great. Like, Foreman gets Minnesota. The guy I would trust the most, though, would be Chuba, just because we've seen him play that every down role in the past. Um, so I think, you know, if we have Miles Sanders out, I have no questions, you know, that he's going to probably play every down. And Visca. he's going to have a chance. He's going to have a chance. Well, yeah, this is going to be a <laughs> We're going to do but that. <laughs> he did it last week. Like, we, yeah, we, yeah, he was out there like 20%, you know. So Visca did get a little bit. It was a three-way backfield last week. So, Yeah. I think the guy with the most upside is still Foreman. I think Foreman yeah. has shown us that. Like when he get he has he's the guy that would it surprise us if he had a hundred yards and two touchdowns. Like it wouldn't surprise no. me. Like like I could totally see that happening. And I want it to happen just because you know I made Ian draft him on every fantasy team. Now we dropped him from every fantasy team. I tried to get him back on a few of them last night. I haven't had a chance to go check to see if we got him. So I would rank them in order. Like if I just need the floor. I'm going Chuba. If I want the ceiling, I'm going Foreman. I'd I'd rather not play uh, Di Mercado. Oh, and you tagged on Zach Moss too. Jesus Christ. Um, Shane Steichen uh, said they will be ramping up Jonathan Taylor. I know. How much remains to be seen, but yeah, man, he's got to be in that RB3 conversation at a minimum. Yeah, I don't like picking this kind of crap. I'll be honest. <laughs> but I, I, I'm playing the other guys over Zach Moss, though, if I know they're in full-time roles. For the week, just because I, I do think there's a chance like Zach Moss doesn't just go down to 50%, he slips to like 30%. Now, I will say if somehow Sanders, Roshan, Keontae all play, now maybe all of a sudden Zach Moss is. I bet Roshan does. Like he was a Thursday night concussion. So he hasn't I practiced either. Yeah, well, I know, but that's still not, that. it's still not abnormal. Like tomorrow's the big day. Yeah. Like right. let's see what happens tomorrow. Yeah. I would like to, to get practice tomorrow, then cleared on Saturday, and then he can play Sunday. Possible. It's possible. Chris, we also have Travis Homer out in uh, Chicago. So, all right, Chris, like just for the sake of argument here, let's assume Miles Sanders is out. Let's assume Khalil Herbert and Roshan are out. When I'm looking at our consensus ranks and we have Brian Robinson, RB19, Madison, RB20, Rashad White, RB21. Like, would you feel comfortable starting Chuba, starting Deontay Foreman over those guys? Chuba? Foreman, Foreman potentially just because of the offensive production that we've seen so far over the last couple of weeks in a matchup that we think, all right, Justin Fields should be able to move the ball like decently, uh, you know, against the Vikings. So, okay, fine. I mean, if there's a chance for Foreman to take over the backfield, maybe run a few extra plays compared to the other options that we we're talking about, like inside, like inside the 10, inside the five, somewhere, something like that. I think that's in the range of outcomes. So that's where Foreman becomes a little bit more interesting. But then the rest of them is just like, yeah, they're fine. I mean, Hubbard, yeah, like to Dwayne's point, we've seen him be in that lead back role, actually be somewhat efficient on carries, like usable or like viable in the passing game as well. And we know that Bryce Young needs some of those like short area options as well. So I think most of those guys, yeah, they kind of slide into more, I think, behind most of the guys that you listed. I think the only one that I'd be more comfortable putting up there would be Foreman out of the rest of them, just because of what we've seen out of both the rushing game and just the general offense for the Bears over the last couple of weeks. I can see that being a case for Foreman, but I don't think I can make the same case for the rest of those guys. I'm not expecting a 
Panthers offensive explosion like in week six. I'm just not seeing that happening. I mean, the Cardinals right now, I'm not seeing it again, another offensive explosion. I mean, points, I mean, props to Josh Dobbs, like for playing as well as he has like through the past like five weeks. But again, I'm not seeing that type of production coming from the entire offense. So if I'm just trying to judge these guys based off the situation alone, it seems like the Bears, hilariously enough, has the best offensive situation (laughs) compared to the rest of them. So I think that's the easiest way for me to look at the rest of these guys. It's like Zach Moss. Okay, cool. But it's uh, again, like his, even just like his usage from last week, uh, from last week is is such an outlier, man. I mean, he, I think his, uh, his team rushing share was like one of the highest it's been for his career. Adjusted yards after contact was like top three, top four for his entire career. I mean, even like his, uh, I mean, even his target share was one of the best marks that he's had, like probably like top eight or so in his career. So like most of the stuff we saw last, uh, last, just this past week was like the most he's done for the like three or four years that he was in Buffalo. So it's like, if I'm not expecting Jonathan Taylor to have a 16, 17% snap share, which is what he had on Sunday again, then I have to drop the expect expectations for Moss. So yeah, g- give me Foreman out of that group. Fair points. All around. Dwayne, real quickly, not on the sheet, but you know, you're a pretty smart guy. I think you can handle it. Uh, I got some questions in the Fantasy Life Discord. They start sits. People that have Jeff Wilson, if he does get activated for me, I would play him behind all these guys, just kind of RB4 territory. I want to see what the split looks like for a week. I want to see if he's going to be eased in. Same thoughts for you if Jeff Wilson is going to play this week. Yeah, I think the one you could challenge would be the D Mercado one. But I think otherwise, yeah. I- I'm with you. I and we've seen this with multiple guys now in their first week back. Yeah. It's not the full workload. So it's he's probably not if their plan is to eventually ramp him up to being 40 45%, he's not going to get all of it probably in week 1 and they could be rushing him to get out there like like last week even though we knew he might have a chance to come off IR this week. Overall, like reading the tea leaves in the comments, it sounded like he could still be a few weeks away. We weren't for sure how much of that as well. We don't really need you, bro, because we got this dude named A-Chan that's blowing up. And we have Mostert, or sorry, Ian, must start. There we go. Um, <laughs> is out there rocking it. So we don't know for sure, like if it was just related to the injury, but there was there were some reports that he still wasn't quite right from a health perspective. So I think it would be wise to to follow the advice that you gave our Discord members. All right, gentlemen, last question. New weekly tradition we're going to be doing on this podcast. What are our bold calls for week six? Chris, we'll start with you, man. I want it to be bold. Don't, you know, come on. Come on, All man. right. <laughs> you want it to be bold? All right, here we go. Here, here's bold for you. Mac Jones, top 16 God. quarterback. A top I was gonna. I, I was gonna say top twelve. He hasn't even. That is like, bold, scr- considering he, it's Mac Jones. So, he hasn't I mean, even scratched like the top twenty yet. Uh, but multi touchdown game, and also I'll to- I'll toss another one up on top of that. Ramondre Stevenson, top twelve. Uh, I'll, I'll, okay, I'll that's better. That's usable. No one yeah. can even use Mac Jones as a top sixteen quarterback. Chris, what does that mean? I just leave him a little less on my bench. Well, like I let true. him have one ass cheek <laughs> hanging off the bench, one on. Well, if you were talking about earlier about who you wanted to start over Dak Prescott. Hey, Mac Jones, baby. Man, you can't. Um, oh, you're not starting Mac Jones over Dak this weekend against the Chargers. Come on. Absolutely not. No, but I'd say, yeah, Ramondre <laughs> Stevenson top 12 is probably the, the better option. Then, Dude, I like that I, one. Yeah, I think between uh, who is now Juju in the concussion protocol, if if memory serves, uh, also going up against the going up against the Raiders. Uh, they try and simplify this offense. They try and get more more pass attempts, like to some of the short area targets for Mac Jones, especially going up against Josh McDaniels. You know, like Bill Belichick might want to try and put one over on his former lackey. Uh, to me, it looks like this would be one. This would be might be one where we see uh, Ramondre get like let's say like you know six, seven, eight, th- like those type of dump off passes that we we're seeing him get last season. So I would say yeah, Ramondre Stevenson top twelve, lock that in. They face the Eagles, Dolphins, Jets, Cowboys, and Saints. We can, you know, blame the defenses for a stretch, but they cannot get it done against the Raiders. Oh, my gosh. People will seriously owe Matt Patricia some apologies at that point. Dwayne, what's your bull call for week six? Man, I, I just want the Ramondre thing to come true. My bags need it. Our bags need it, Ian. We have plenty of Ramondre yeah. together. Yes, we um, do. I'm going to say Raheem Mustard is a top five play in fantasy land Tell this weekend, Ian. So, okay. look. We've seen it before. Whenever we did not have Achan, they didn't use Salvin Ahmed. It's not the same thing. He's basically there just to make sure Must uh, Must Start doesn't get too tired. 
which is like, hey, could you give me a little quick breather? Now, I get it. Ahmed, like where it could come in is, you know, Mostert has a 70-yard run to the two-yard line and he gets the punch in a score. Like things like that, like could still happen to you. But I expect this to really be uh, Mostert's backfield this weekend. You've got a really good matchup as well. I, I just feel like everything is working in his favor. Like timing is everything they say in life. And so when you wake up and the backfield suddenly all yours again, you're playing a Panthers defense, gives up 141 yards rushing per game. Nobody, nobody gives up more rushing attempts per game because they can't get out ahead. This should be a game that Miami's winning handily. I think the only way that Mostert gets like any kind of you know relief in this game that like just worries us a little bit is just the complete blowout conditions in the fourth quarter where then Salvin Ahmed and Chris Brooks like get to take that over. But even then, like if they've if they're blowing out the Panthers by that much, like he's already done his damage. So I'll go with that one. I, I, I'm going to throw in just a bonus. Isaiah Pacheco for 115 yards and a touchdown tonight okay. against the Broncos. Is that even bold? It's the, the Denver Broncos give up like a thousand yards a game on the ground. So how about, I don't how even about know how bold that is. Moster and Pacheco, top two overall running backs in week six. You heard it from oh Dwayne. Oh, God, uh, man. That's bold. That's hey, bold. on the season, guys, there's one running back with more PPR points than Raheem Moster, and his name is Christian McCaffrey. So, no, that's not going on a per-game basis, but still. It's like the fact that we're now living in, like, the HN era, like Raheem Moster, only, guys, only averaging 5.4 yards per carry somehow doesn't look uh, that incredible. But I'm going to go with, you know, you know th those, were, those were cute, guys, cute bull calls. But here's how it's done. Rondale Moore over a hundred total yards and a oh touchdown serving as his usual full-time starting slot receiver with a big jump in backfield utilization. Dwayne, you know, I know we've just had to watch our Cowboys get killed by the 49ers, but before that our low on the season was getting killed by the, not killed, but losing to the Cardinals. And as we saw Rondale Moore, man, he's got, he's got some, you know, go to him in the backfield reminds me of Tavon Austin back in the day, a little bit with some of the things he's able to do with the, football in his hands so i head on over to fantasy life's handy dandy utilization tool and i can see 74 percent route rate on the season yeah as Dwayne will tell us you know we want 80 or higher but that's still a full-time role and again on top of that enhanced backfield utilization it's a rams defense that the last time we saw him play against last year nine catches for at 94 yards i think it's a good matchup for him a sneaky potential shootout game again just given that rams defense other than aaron donald not exactly full with a bunch of world beaters love it and also, it's one of these rare games that we're probably not going to be dealing with too many weather concerns in the sunny L.A. weather. So Rondale Moore, only 3,500 over on DraftKings for those interested in those kind of things. My big play, bull call of the week. Real I like quick, it. Thank you, man. Thank you, Dwayne. Chris, I want to ask you about the weather for this week because I don't think it's going to be that one Sunday we have every single year where everyone's losing their mind about yeah. it. But shout out Kevin Roth over at rotogrinders.com. We do have, I mean... Vikings and the Bears is hitting yellow. 49ers and Browns is hitting yellow. There's a handful of other games uh, with green. And, you know, green's usually like sustained winds of 10 to 15 miles per hour and some light rain. But talk about, Chris, any of these games that you really have, you know, enough weather concerns to actively downgrade anyone, if any. Downgrading anybody yet, but the Chicago one like did kind of pop for me uh, on my first pass. So I'll definitely have to take a look at that because I know Chicago, if I'm remembering right, their stadium, one of the if you dig into like the physics of all this, like Chicago does have one of like the shorter stadiums like in the like in the NFL. So if it was going to get affected uh, by the wind, now if I'm looking at it right now, 17, 18 miles per hour, like somewhere in there. So that's enough for me to at least downgrade if you were going to start either of the kickers in, in that matchup. Okay, fine. Uh, but I think that's one to at least pay attention to, especially because there might be some rain involved in there as well. So if there's going to be any sort of like field condition de uh, degradation, because they do have a sod field over there. So like players slipping or just losing their footing, like on the, like on the grass, like that's a potential, but I think that one is the one that I probably have the most concern about, but I'll do a double check to make sure. Cause we are still a few days out, so it could improve. It could be nothing, but at least it's something to at least pay attention to over the next couple of days. Chris, forgive me, because I know we did a fantastic, you know, entire weather podcast at one point uh, this offseason. Yeah. But when we see stuff like sustained winds of 10 miles per hour with gusts up to 20, like, is that for you as bad as, you know, having the 20 mile uh, per hour plus winds? Or is that just something where, like, they say it and it sounds bad, but it's not actually something we should be downgrading as much? So, like, it's 
yeah, it's not something that we should uh, really like concern ourselves with because uh, gusts in themselves are like a random events. I mean, they're things that can happen. And when they are projected, they could be up to that much. So sorry that they say gusts up to like 30 miles an hour, 40 miles an hour or whatever, but they come at random times. They can't be predicted. And if we already can't predict where the football is going to go on a play to play basis, trying to figure out how the wind is going to blow how much it's going to blow like also shouldn't factor into to our analysis. That's why I typically just stick to sustained wins. And then even with that, for folks that are interested, you can check out my research piece over on fantasylife.com. Typically, teams don't change, uh, don't tend to change their offensive calling until once you get past 20 miles an hour. And that's sustained wins. That's where you see some of the uh, like any pass rate over expectation. I mean, those types of those types of tendencies that we take into account, like from a projection standpoint that's when those things start to change. So if it's just 10 miles an hour, do not care. 15 miles an hour, pretty much do not care as well. But once you get into like the 20s in those extreme cases, like we saw like in Cleveland a couple of times, like a couple of years ago, a uh, couple of a uh, couple of issues, I think it was in like San Fran or some of the, something like that last year, that's where my ears start to perk up. But for here, we'll just monitor it. And then if you, I see anything that's going to be worth it, like that's actionable for fantasy purposes, You'll see me tweeting about it over on uh, over on X.com or whatever you guys call it like nowadays. Great note on not getting uh, too carried away trying to predict some of this stuff as the uh, late great Norm McDonald once said, didn't bet on football because the ball isn't even round. So I'm going to continue to bet in football, hopefully not lose uh, too much more money on a weekly basis, but great points all around. Dwayne, we're, we're done, man. But anything else you want to get off your chest? No, man. Rankings and tiers will be up tomorrow. Obviously, like folks can go check out our ranks and tiers across all of us consensus you mentioned was like we got the uh, the reigning champ over there i'm gonna have to really birthday look at boy. that jordan i'm gonna have to really look at that yeah birthday boy guys make sure you're, you're wishing uh was a happy birthday like that jordan addison thing the other thing i love about was is a lot of people that play those kind of contests um they just try to stay right as close as they can to everyone else with some small yep. with some small tweaks but like him going out now, we may have to talk to him offline. I don't know where he ranks this year. He may be trying to make up ground because that's the other strategy, right? If you really fall behind, you need to make some big plays like this. But he, man, when you told me he had Addison that high, like you caught my attention. So I, I got, I'm going to have to talk with Waz, man. Hey, what's up? Well, we got, well, we got Jordan Addison <laughs> that high. Uh, I'll tell you if your process is right or wrong. And then he could just slap me and say, bro, I'm the reigning champ, not you. <laughs> right. I have this ridiculous, uh, my like home league with my friends is eight man. Uh, so all the rosters are loaded, obviously. And I was like, I was eight like, okay, man. how many, how many people do you all. start at least Ian, at least tell me you've got these guys, Two quarterbacks, you guys three, are... three flexes. Yeah. There you go. Uh, See, that's okay. a good right, eight right, team right. league. That's, that's a good, <laughs> that's fine. That can still yeah. be fun. Yeah. And so I, I'm, I'm on zero RB. So my wide receivers are loaded. And I was like, all right, I got to start Metcalf over Addison still. And I go to the ranks. And I'm like, all right, Dwayne agrees. I agree. Freeman agrees. And I see Waz and the one freaking ranking champion is the guy with Addison <laughs> over Metcalf. So that one's going to keep me, think. keep yeah. me thinking on it until uh, Sunday, Chris, great stuff, man. Especially again, some of that weather insight at the end, anything you want to get off your chest, my friend. No, no, not at all. I think now it's just like we need to we need to settle in. Hopefully, like the weather doesn't like have too much of an impact. And with these injuries, like, can we just have one freaking weekend without like a seismic injury happening at some point? I mean, other than that, man, I'm just ready to watch the ball tonight. Watch some ball. Pray those injury gods. Just, you know, have a good weekend. It's just fantasy football after all. What's fantasy football? You can't have a little bit of fun along the way. Appreciate you guys tuning in. For Dwayne, for Chris, I'm Ian. Thanks again for listening to the Fantasy Live Podcast. And until next time, take care, everybody.